This is Retails, Conversations with Profit Protection, the podcast that talks direct with retailers about all things loss prevention, with your host, Nicole Smith. Did you know that the Profit Protection Future Forum is the only not-for-profit industry body promoting the interests of retail loss prevention professionals in Australia and New Zealand? Hi there and welcome to the show. On today's episode, I'm talking with Matt Dick, Operations Asset and Profit Protection Manager at David Jones. Matt's been with David Jones for nearly 20 years and has been involved in setting up and conducting store-based interviews within their profit protection structure. Matt is also on our steering committee for the PPFF. Thanks for talking to me today, Matt. That's all good. So when we look at shrinkage by source, there's a huge chunk that's made up of internal and external theft. And then obviously you've got uh, supplier fraud and administration um, errors. But the two big ones are obviously internal and external theft. Mm -hmm. So I guess guess this is where mainly your skills come into action. Yeah, definitely. So can you tell me a little bit about your LP structure at David Jones? Yeah, so we have a a store-based loss prevention structure Mm -hmm. that report into the store's operations team. Um, so they, they basically look after the physical security um, of, the, of the store. So that's for our protection of customers, uh, staff, and our, our, obviously our stock and our assets. Um, they also manage store compliance as well. So they, they're um, ticking off a lot of different tasks completed around stock loss and cash management and logistics processes. Um, and then lastly, obviously, they are involved in the investigation side of things within stores. So that's both internal and external. Um, components. So you, your team at head office is relatively small, given that your teams out on the in the field are quite large or yeah. larger. So for me, the, the teams, um, the the operations managers sit in the stores, mm-hmm. um, and then I have a regional structure as well. So I have a, a regional asset profit protection managers that sit across the different states. Um, that uh, the operations managers, whilst they report through to the stores, also have a, a dotted line to those regional loss, asset and profit protection managers. But every store has got a loss prevention person sitting in there. Uh, majority of our stores uh, um, have loss prevention um, components um, in the store, whether that be through a manager um, up to you know fourteen staff or whatever it is through through to two to three. Um, staff, but there, there are some stores that we operate uh, loss prevention strategies through the operations management team. Okay, so it's quite unusual. Yeah. Um, with when we look at other retailers and their structures, they don't they've taken that LP function out of the stores, yep. and you might have a regional or um, operational person that floats around and be responsible for two or three stores, for four yep. or five stores, whatever it may be. Um, so that's quite unusual that you've got a, a structure. Yeah, I mean, like the, fortunately, the structure's been there for quite some time yeah. before I've been around. So um, the, the um, loss prevention and the focus from the stores team is quite um, embedded in, in culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the, the, the stores really run and drive their stock loss strategies themselves. Yeah, that's fantastic. And they have the support of their own loss prevention teams in some cases, yeah. Oh, that's great. So one of your focuses is store-based investigations. Why or how did you get such a keen interest in this area? Um, okay, probably a bit of a background about myself. So um, uh, did my university studies um, in construction management, um, had my gap year in London, mm-hmm. um, came back and decided that's not where I wanted to be in. Um, <laughs> so uh, picked up a job with David Jones as a, as a casual on the selling floor. Yep. Um, 
And then there was more hours in loss prevention. So uh, I decided that, uh, hey, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> so no experience? No, no experience, uh, obviously, um, other than, you know, my studies that I had. The... Yeah, um, previously in construction management. Okay. So no experience within loss prevention at all. But what you learn on the floor. Absolutely. So I, had, <laughs> I had, did have a little bit of retail experience um, and, and jumped into loss prevention. Um, really, really uh, liked the processes in stores um, and... Um, actually decided that I wanted to be a, a police prosecutor. Um, so started studying justice law. Um, and whilst doing that, I kind of elevated myself throughout David Jones um, and ended up dropping those studies mm-hmm. um, and continuing on with the loss prevention focus. So so how long was that period? You said that you were studying but then progressing up the food chain in DJs. Yep. How long was that? Because we've been talking to uh, Neil and Josh about their journeys yep. and they've both said that it's quite a, you know, it's not something that happens overnight, obviously, which I think we all know with any job. So, But yep. roughly how long was that for you? Um, the initial stage is probably uh, I, was, I was doing between retail and loss prevention in David Jones for about a, a year before I fully went to, to the loss prevention side um, and was, you know, full time in loss prevention. And that was probably uh, a year, two years in as just a, um, a, an officer, a loss prevention officer, learning, mm-hmm. my, learning my trade. And then um, probably, you know, I've been in David Jones for quite a while now, um, probably the next five to... Eight years, I was, I, you know, was becoming a loss prevention manager and progressing into a regional role. And, and through that time, I, I worked in a number because we were store based. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I shuffled around to a number of different stores to to work in, um, and, and got a good grasp of, of the business and, and an understanding of how it operates across a number of different stores. And, and then obviously, um, progressed through to a regional level, and then in the role I am today. And so how. How did the interest come about for investigations in particular? Um, the, the investigation side, I, I've always been um, pretty detailed and thorough in everything that I do, and I, I really like, um, you know, th- there is a bit of an adrenaline rush when you when you finally think that, um, that there is something wrong that you can investigate and work through. Um, and I do, I enjoy sitting down and, and, and doing a work plan and understanding, um, you know, what could have potentially gone wrong or trying to um, prove that breach of contract or trying to um, identify any um, legal aspect that sits within uh, external, for example. So, yeah, it's just something I enjoy doing. Hmm, That's good. So can you talk me through the process of conducting a store-based investigation? Like if you were training one of your new LP officers at Stall, what would you talk them or how would you walk them through this? And we have another uh, lot of uh, modules that sit with our loss prevention teams to complete. Um, probably the first um, level is around teaching them about external loss um, and the external processes that sit within there and um, before we progress them into internal investigations. So I'll talk to in- external first. Mm-hmm. Um, what we really train the guys and, and when we ha- the guys and girls and um, the processes that we write around is is taking um, making sure that we we gather evidence correctly. Um, and that we can correctly write statements for police. So we, we work very closely with the different state um, police to understand what their requirements are to make it easy for them mm-hmm. um, around gathering evidence and ensuring that we re- get the right statements um, to provide it. But the external component is probably the easiest part because all you're doing is gathering the evidence for someone else to the, do the investigation. So that's the police um, in most cases. So um, that's our training pro- focus for the stores is that we get that 
component right. So does the intel come from stores saying we're repeat offender, um, you know, we had ORC in today and they've just cleaned us out of jackets or whatever it may be? Yep, so a little bit, a bit, bit of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do certainly have our internal processes as well to gather, you know, um, intel across our networks. Um, but we, we work collaboratively with uh, local uh, police mm-hmm. and also stores to gather information it's it's more store based investigation, so um, we, we don't because we don't have a, a regional structure um, in a sense that other retailers might have. The stores will do their own investigations, and they'll you know look at and say that they, you know there was a, a theft over in one store and a theft here, and they'll gather both evidence and then provide that to their local police. So, and do you participate with other stores with other brands to say, hey, we've been hit in Westfield, wherever Parramatta today, and you know. Yeah. We need some help. Yeah, absolutely. That collaboration certainly helps us out as well. I mean, the, the privacy issues today are, are a little bit sensitive, mm-hmm. um, but certainly any information that we can take from other retailers or the police or, or whoever, um, we try to gather as much information to, to assist us um, in our investigations. So when it's an internal investigation, I imagine that breaks your heart sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, it, I'm pretty hardened now. I've done, I've done a, few, a few investigations and I can remember back to my first one where it was a bit heartbreaking and, and um, you know, there is there was a bit of, um, you know, feeling towards um, the situation that was going on. Um, but at the end of the day, um, you know, the, the employees are employed by, you know, the company. Um, they're getting paid by that company and if they're going to abuse that right, then... Um, you know that's that's their decision, mm-hmm. um, and you know it's it's our role to ensure that um, we protect the assets and the, and the profitability of our, our company. And um, yeah, certainly it does it does um, sometimes um, uh, make it difficult, especially if you if you're investigating um, someone close or someone within yeah. the same team. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, are most of your investigations internal or external, or is it a nice healthy fifty fifty mix? <laughs> Oh, look, um, I would say most of the external investigations happen um, day to day. Um, you know, that, that's just your name, normal apprehension um, that occurs in stores. So th- there's those investigations that take place. The, the internals are, um, th- yes, th- there are a lot of internal investigations yet completed. Um, not, not too many of them um, get the outcome of... Um, a breach of contract mm-hmm. um you know sometimes you'll do an investigation because it just doesn't look right yep. um and then you'll find out that it's actually perfect and, and there's that's just normal process for someone so th- there are um yeah probably 50 50 yeah. and are you involved in uh supply chain fraud do you um, have to investigate anything like that? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, all all um, for company fraud. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, comes through to our team. Um, so uh, the, the you know to to review and investigate. There, there are elements um, that we have to look at externally um, from you know courier supply chain, like you said, that we also have to to manage. Yes. Okay. And so, can you tell me about what is most challenging about doing invest- an investigation? Um, I think I think there's not really an investigation that you walk out of and and say, oh, I could have asked that question or I could have done something different. Um, so if you haven't prepared for um, an investigation and you're on the fly, um, those are probably the most challenging investigations that you can do. If you've had the time to to gather evidence correctly, um, you know, utilize your reports, um, then the questions and everything becomes quite quite easy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
probably the, the most challenging um, things for us is, like you just said, investigating someone that's not employed by your company is always a difficult investigation. Um, we have um, uh, brand partners that have that are employed by you know external um, um, sub, uh, our brands yep. that, that sit within David Jones. Um, so you know we, it, they're very sensitive mm-hmm. um, because you're dealing with uh, two companies then, um, and and we we teach to to um, to look um, the the evidence that we're gathering is 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 for breach of contract. Um, and not sometimes those contracts aren't the same that sit within external parties. Yeah. So they're probably the most challenging um, because on one side we might say that's not right, and on the other side uh, you might have a, a courier or a, you know a, someone else sitting there saying no no that's that's how we do things. Yeah. Um, so th- there's they're probably the most challenging where you're trying to come to an equal um, decision. Okay. On that. So what's the most time-consuming part of an investigation? Um, just gathering the evidence. So we have. Um, we have a lot of different processes in store to to identify um, uh, some inconsistencies. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we have stock loss strategies that look at both uh, targeted prevention strategies and then we have stock loss strategies that uh, identify potential fraud. Um, we use other realms around um, like NetMap Analytics um, is our... Is our um, one of our suppliers that we use for for gathering our POS inconsistencies, mm-hmm. um, pulling all that information together um, is the, is the time consuming part. Um, and, and normally, very on early on, you can tell that there's something wrong, um, and you really just want to pull that you know person in and talk to them about it. But if you do that, you could be caught out a little bit. So it's about going a step back and a step further and reviewing all the evidence that you can gather across every work stream that you have um, before. Um, deciding to to go into an, an interview or, or, or providing evidence to the police. Yeah, I imagine that's quite hard. With uh, We've got quite strict laws here in this country yeah. uh, and privacy laws and what you can and can't say to people and all those types of things. So it must be quite hard sometimes, even when you know that something's not right. Yeah, um, yeah it is. I mean, we, we've, fortunately, we've got a... Um, in, in our work streams and, and the team have worked, um, my team have worked together to pull a workplace investigations course together. Um, so we've sat with our um, employee relations team, our legal team, our HR team to draft and, and write as many different responses and, and different techniques to assist stores in investigations. And we particularly focus around those employee relation, um, you know, um, requirements to meet um, and managing back with our HR teams to ensure that we, we do do it correctly and we gather the right information, but we also um, have fairness in the way that we do that and mm. conduct that interview. That's that's uh, good. I, I've actually not heard of any other retailer that has done something like that, that has set up a function like that. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that they all, everyone else, uh, asks the most appropriate questions and doesn't accuse and all those things. But the law is... Uh, the law is often on the side, particularly when we look at external theft, the law is often on the side of the thief, not on the side of the retailer. Yeah. Look, it's my, it's the team's job to just gather the evidence, provide the facts. Yeah. The, the outcome of that investigation will always sit, if it's an internal investigation, we'll sit with our ER, our employee relations and our HR team. Mm-hmm. 
Um, or if it's a, a legal issue, it'll sit with the police. Yep. Um, so, you know, you can't be too hard on yourself if you've done an investigation and got the wrong outcome, as long as you've provided the best evidence and facts um, to either parties, um, then the outcome will be what it is. Uh, and that's one, one thing that I, you know, you do have to train your teams to say, guys, we're just, we're just part of, you know, the gathering of the facts yeah. and the statements and the evidence. And then someone else takes over um, with that legal knowledge and the employee relations to, to handle that internal matter. Yeah. It's hard, though, to take the emotion away from, from it sometimes. Uh, it is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> This might be a difficult question to uh, answer, but the time frame to conduct an investigation, I imagine some of them are short, some of them are really long. So can you give me just, a, I guess, an average? And then I'm interested to know what's the longest one. Um, look, they do vary um, quite uh, quite different, uh, particularly external investigations um, and dealing with um, you know, the, the local authorities, police. Um, you know, pulling that information together could take a while. It could be a while before the police actually, um, you know, apprehend or, or arrest the, the suspect. Then it's got to go to court, and you know, you can be going to to um, you can be sitting in court three years after your oh initial gosh. investigation has taken place. In, in that instance, um, it's hard. How do you remember everything? It is true, but we 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 again we try to train our teams to to ensure that they're using um, notebooks, you know, statements, everything that they can refer to in court um, that jogs their memory about that incident. So you know, the more information that you write down in in that particular um, incident, the, the the more you can refer to. So, um, but yeah, so that that's probably the longest stretch. Um, mm-hmm. in, internal investigations are normally pretty quick. Um, the turnaround response for gathering those evidence, completing your, um, your your interviews, doing the right of replies, whatever it is, they normally turn around relatively quickly. Um, yeah. So. Okay. So, uh, do you have any recommendations for best practice in this area? It sounds like you're doing a really good job. I yeah. have to tell you. Look, look, look. Probably the biggest thing for me is around um, investigating in- internally. If you're investigating internally, you're, you're going for breach of contract. Um, so you've really got to have good policies and procedures and and, and contracts you, in place. Yeah. Do you, you you keep saying breach of contract? Is that a, as opposed to termination? That's what you're doing. That that's the outcome. Okay. Of so if you can if you, what HR and employee relations you're looking for is if there's a breach of contract that'll end up end okay. result will okay. be a termination. Right. Um, so yes, if if you can. If you have um, strong policies and procedures and you can show that the, the, the internal party was aware of those policies and procedures and has not followed them correctly or, or deliberately, um, you know, gone against their way, theft, fraud, whatever it is, then then that becomes a lot easier in, in your investigation approach and, and, um, and obviously the outcome becomes uh, a termination. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it's about setting the right... Uh, culture in stores the policies procedures the compliance level that you have in 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 stores and then you know in 99.9 percent of of people follow the policies and procedures and you get the right outcome and then you've got that small small percentage of people that um, take advantage of yeah (laughs) (laughs) i like to yeah So. Do you work with any other retailers, either um, locally or globally, and look at what they do as far as best practice to to implement that into David Jones? Um, we 
We do. Um, there's always. I mean, I've got a good regional team that that have got a lot of knowledge. Um, and and if something comes across our paths, we'll, we'll certainly discuss it as a team and and we'll work through that. It's more. Um, yeah, they're, they're actively looking to see what other retailers are doing, what what um, you know authorities are doing, um, whatever it is that that we can bring to the party to make our our operations much seamless and and, and easier to to manage. So. Is most of your training been on the job training or is there a course or is there a course you'd like to do that's going to improve those skills? Um, for me personally, um, I did, I did um, do a couple of courses mm-hmm. um, through university, especially when I was looking at that justice law sub, um, subject. Um, on the job for our teams, um, like I said, we have a number of different processes we have training programs we have a, a workplace investigation course that we take teams through um, so we keep it in-house um, but certainly I know I know the other uh, you know teams will look outside the box and, and come up with their you know risk management trainings that they want to complete and those kind of courses outside of David Jones but internally we have our own so are there from a resources um, perspective of really specifically on investigations are there external courses that you can do, do you um, know? Look, I'm sure there is. I'm not aware of any. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to send everyone to you. No, you sound like you've got a really good structure set up and process. Yeah, no, look, there are there are obviously um, university courses and, and, and TAFE courses and things like that you could potentially do through the risk management or, or just um, in, in, in behavioural interviewing courses mm-hmm. that you can complete, not only around um, internal or external investigations, you can do behavioural interviewing for um, a number of different reasons. So there are courses that are out there. Fantastic. So, Matt, you've made it to the final countdown, the last three questions. (laughs) So we ask everyone, if you weren't in retail, what would you want to be doing? Um, I really do enjoy retail. Mm -hmm. Um, um, But I I could go across any any levels of retail. You know, I I do like the selling side of things. I, I like the supply chain side. I like... Um, I like what I do today. Mm-hmm. So, you know, th- th- I could branch out to any of those avenues. Um, um, yeah, I, I, like I said, I, I probably said earlier, I, I wanted to be a police prosecutor in, in the past. Um, I don't think I'll ever go back to that, but I, I potentially, you know, I, I may. <laughs> Was it hard to do the study and work? Is that why it sort of got... Um, for, for me, it was it was more location. So okay. um, I I was living in Brisbane mm-hmm. and um, um, was offered a job in Sydney. Um, my courses were all in in Brisbane. So um, for me, it was it was do I continue along um, studying or do I move to Sydney um, for for a, a better job? Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. If you could change anything in the industry, what would it be? Um, I think it's probably um, from a loss prevention sort of thing. Uh, I think it would be around um, the privacy um, laws and and being able to share information with um, with other retailers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that's an area where um, we find ourselves um, holding on to a lot of information that that could be used uh, elsewhere by the retailers or. Or, or whoever. I mean, I'll, we have a direct line with the with the local authorities, police, um, and we get our information through them. We do talk to our our other retailers, um, but there's no there's no sharing platform under the current privacy laws that allows us to to really give that a good stretch. In your opinion, do you think that will change anytime soon? Um, look, I, I I think it could. Uh, I know that different avenues are being pushed um, through. 
uh, attorney generals and other other areas. But uh, I think it's always going to be a tough one. Yeah. Uh, and lastly, your advice for anyone wanting to get into loss prevention. Look, it's it's an exciting career. It's, uh, the reason I got um, into loss prevention was really around that first initial adrenaline rush of um, you know identifying that that offender, um, the the rush you get through there, and and you know once you've had that rush, you, you just want to keep um, compiling on that. So for me, um, you know, it, it's it's a great career um, in that respect, but it, it also allows you to move across a number of different functions. Um, you know, if you're in retail and you've got a good loss prevention uh, and move into loss prevention, you start to understand the inventory management, you know, which could lead to, you know, logistics, supply chain, uh, a number of different areas within the retail environment. Yeah, um, so I guess you have to touch every other uh, line of business within the yep. business. Yeah, absolutely. So so that's that's the exciting part of loss prevention is it, it just doesn't lead down to the, the one path. There are a number of different um, processes that you can go into. Okay. So thanks very much for your time today, Matt, and talking me through your investigations experience. There's quite a bit involved, much more than what I anticipated. So uh, for anyone that's new to the industry, I think you've given them a really good insight and it's a, you've given sort of a great process to follow to make sure all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. And I think that's what I've learned from today. That's very important. <laughs> if you'd like to get in touch with Matt, you can find him on LinkedIn or you can reach him via the PPFF website. You can subscribe to this weekly podcast via iTunes, Google Podcasts and Spotify. And there's a link to download episodes and show notes on the PPFF website. This podcast is proudly brought to you by the Profit Protection Future Forum. It is written and produced by Juliet Woodward and myself, Nicole Smith, and is kindly hosted by Wooshka. So that's season one of Retail's Conversations with Profit Protection wrapped up. We're going to take a four-week break whilst we prepare for season two. So thanks so much for subscribing, rating us and the feedback we've received. We've got some great topics and speakers lined up for season two, including Mark Gentle from Checkpoint. He's got an update about what's happening in ASEAN. And Gemma Couch from Target talking about going back to loss prevention basics and getting results. On a personal note, I'd like to thank my partner in crime and executive producer, Juliet Woodward. She does an incredible job behind the scenes to put this podcast together. I hope you'll join me for season two so we can keep talking all things profit protection. Thanks for listening to Retails, conversations with profit protection. If you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe via iTunes, Google Podcasts or Spotify. If you want to find out more about the Profit Protection Future Forum, head to profitprotection.co or find us on LinkedIn. Drop us a message on info at profitprotection.co with feedback on our show.